The following program is sponsored by Prayers Heard in Heaven. God wants to raise up an army of believers whose prayer shakes the nation and the nations of the world. God wants you to shake the evil out of its dwelling place in your family, in your workplace, in the nation. Prayers Heard in Heaven is a teaching ministry teaching God's people to pass blessings with prayer. In the fifth chapter of James, the Bible tells us to pray for one another that we may be healed and that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. The following program, Prayers Heard in Heaven, with speaker and teacher Valerie Sneed, will help you learn to pray fervently and effectively and truly see results in prayer. Valerie Sneed, with Prayers Heard in Heaven, starts now. I'm excited today because I have a special guest here today to share with you about finances. We're living in a time right now where so many people are debt-ridden, and it is a huge burden, and many are worried. They're really concerned about how to handle their finances and get out of debt. Well, James Murphy is with me today, and he has a lot of experience in handling finances. He's a financial planner. He has he has did financial guidance for 20 years. He's fully licensed as an insurance agent. He's a financial planner. He's a professional coach. He's a licensed minister. He has a passion for God's people and for setting us free from the burden of debt. James loves to speak at churches and organizations and letting us know about the pitfalls of debt and showing us some of the myths that we've been taught, and he breaks those molds. He's a founder and the owner of Fire My Mortgage. Now, that's an interesting name of the company, James. You're going to have to tell us all about that. We'll tell you a little about that. For sure. Okay. So James teaches strategies about bringing financial freedom, and he teaches us in a way that really will bless you, and it's biblical, and I love that. I love what James teaches. So James, tell us more. Oh, absolutely, Valerie. It's an honor to be on this show and the program to speak with your listeners. So thank you for this opportunity. I'm amazed every time I open up the Bible, so much is in Scripture about our finances. In fact, Mm -hmm. the whole story from Genesis to the Revelation is a story of a man who had imaginable freedom, but because he wanted something else, he bit off more than he could chew, and, and he entered into deep spiritual debt that he couldn't repay. And it's a story about a redeemer who stepped in, paid his debt, set him free, to riches and glory. And then he became, hopefully, we don't know all the details of that, but his calling was to be a messenger of that word to others. And in a microcosm, I know that that's the gospel in big picture form, but we all live that out from day to day where you know, we come into the world with nothing, but we also don't have debt. But we want that forbidden fruit. We want one more thing that we're not you know, <laughs> not supposed to have. And so we, in a sense, fight off more than we can chew. Sometimes we lose our shirt over it. But hopefully somewhere in life, someone brings a message that equips the hearer with the tools that they need to get out of debt, to build wealth, mm. to be redeemed from bondage. And then hopefully they become voices to those around them of the freedom and the good news. That's absolutely amazing. I'm excited to hear more. In teaching God's people about debts, I know a lot of people that haven't been taught about debt, about budgeting, and it's easy to dig a deeper and deeper hole when you don't have the knowledge of how to handle finances. It's so very important. Absolutely. 
I would say that that is likely the biggest thing that's inhibiting people. As Christians, of course, we're always coming against doubt and fear and anger and, and needing healing, and, and those things were all really so, so important. But debt is this lingering cloud that just looms mm. over people, and we don't talk about it a lot in church because we're not supposed to talk about money in church. But the average American has over $90,000 in debt. And we think about that from a, a Christian perspective. Romans thirteen eight says that we're not supposed to owe man anything. And we ask, like, how can that be? Hebrews thirteen five says that we are to live in such a way that we're free from the love of money and that we're content with what we have. And again, we say, how can that be? Well, it continues to say, because he has promised he will never leave us or forsake us. And so if we really can find that place of peace, our identity in Him. We're not going to just continue to lust and just try to have more and more and more, but rather we can be content with what He has provided for us. There's a scripture in Haggai 2, 15 to 19. It's an interesting passage. I think, James, you can explain it better than me, right? Absolutely. So the whole chapter 1, chapter 2 will help with context, but to jump right into right around verse 15, the Lord steps in and He says, when you go to the corn crib, you go to pull 20 measures, but there's only 10. And you go to the wine vat to pull 50 measures, and there's only 20. And to apply that to us today, it's like you swipe your car and it beeps declined, or you go to the fridge and there's nothing there, or you get in your car and it's empty on the gas tank. But he says something really crazy in this passage. He says, consider from this day forward, is there still feed in the barn? And then he lists out vines and gives examples, figs, pomegranates, all those that was customary to their day. And he says it has not produced fruit yet from this day on. He says, I will bless you. And when I read that, that just jumped out to me because he makes a correlation between this question. Is there still seed in your barn? And from the day that you understand that question, what seed is in your barn, that is the day that he says, I'm going to bless you. So I have to think how that replies to me, what seed is in my barn? So I ask myself, what books do I still have in my brain or inventions mm, tucked away or cash in wow. my portfolio that's doing nothing? You know, mm. kind of the proverbial money under the mattress, you know, public speaking, uh, gosh, prospects in your pipeline. James, I think that so many of God's people would not understand, is the seed still in the barn? I didn't even look at it that way, and I consider myself to be... Uh, quite a Bible scholar. So I'm really so glad that you explained that. And so, James, what would you say is the biggest obstacle to people walking in the fullness that God has for them? We all need to walk in what God has for us, that perfect plan. What would you say? Yeah, I mentioned the debt already. Obviously, you know that that's the perspective I'm coming from, but I, mm -hmm. I really believe that. And, and society as a whole is just clawing at us to try to get us to buy more, to buy into the lie that we need these things for our identity. And mm -hmm. to know that we're buying into this pervasive spirit, and whether spirit as a mindset or spirit as actual spirit, I don't know. But, mm -hmm. but one of the things that we often say is, I've done without it. For so long, I deserve to buy X, whatever that X is, or I work so hard, I work so many hours, I mm -hmm. deserve it. You know, everyone else has better than me. Um, I'll never find another one like it. YOLO, you only live once. And so even in the business world, we chalk things up to like, I need to drive XYZ car to look successful so people do business with me. And there's 
so many things that that the marketers teach us. Can you afford the monthly payments? Who cares about the big number? Can you afford the monthly payment? Or they pretend that certain money is free money, like tax returns. That's not free money. That's Mm. money that somebody else has been using all year, not paying you any interest on, and it's just returning it to you finally. You know, relief money that's coming from the government, 0% interest loans. There are so many ways that we are lured in to just stack all this debt. And as long as we're gainfully employed, we feel like we can handle it. And we handle a little more and we handle a little bit more. And I talk to people regularly, Valerie, who are just literally broken. They're on the other end of Zoom or face-to-face and just broken because there's so much debt and they don't Mm. know how they're going to get free. And I see the stress on their marriage, but I see the love of the marriage that they want to free each other. And and I talk to pastors, their churches are in debt and businesses. There's just so much that's against us, but God is calling us to freedom. And there are some really good answers to get there. I got to ask you about this one. So there's all these different forms of debt, you know, that we can be in. I got to ask you about this one, James. Okay. If I have an older car and you know, a new car is a whole lot of money right now. You know, I'm thinking I'm getting these high miles on this car. I I need to get rid of it. I need to just get the new car. What would you tell me, James? Well, I would say right now is not the best time. (laughs) Over the the last year from 2020 to 2021, used cars went up 27%. Wow. New new cars went up 13%. Mm. And to the tune that $47,000 is the average price for a new car. Oh my Meanwhile, the average home only makes 67000 Oh, dang. If you do the math, <laughs> and it's astronomical. I have 225,000 miles on my vehicle. And as long mm. as you maintain an older vehicle, mm-hmm. take good care of it, keep it clean, be a good steward, those things will typically keep running and will be a lot cheaper even when you have to repair them than paying an expensive car payment every month. Wow. Thank you, James. Thank you. Wow, that's good advice. And those numbers, well, that'll impress you, right? So it's not just your opinion. You got the numbers to back it up. That, I know you just blessed some people today. You're blessing us. So what's the biggest debts that you see that people are in right now that we should kind of keep our eye on? Well, the biggest debt is typically the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Now, it's more common that people have multiple credit cards, but the mortgage is is kind of the hidden trap in the midst of all of this financial planning. So for 20 years, I've been working with people in their finances. And across the board, the people in their retired years who were doing the best, those are people who did not have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And across the board, the people who were not doing as well were people who were still strapped down by a mortgage, especially if they refinanced and refinanced and refinanced. Can I read a scripture real quick, Absolutely. Valerie, for you? Please. Go ahead, James. So, Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1, we think of mortgages being a kind of a newer construct. Now, the, the 30-year mortgage, as we know about it, is. They typically weren't stretched out that long until the Great Depression, but mm-hmm. but they have been around for thousands of years. And, and so, to kind of summarize this passage, there, the men and women were crying out in protest against their fellow Jews, it says in the Scripture. They had big families. They didn't have enough food to feed them. And, and they cry out, Nehemiah 5.3. We have mortgaged our fields, our vineyards, our homes to get enough food to get by during this famine. And then it goes on and it talks about not only did they mortgage their fields, their vineyards, their homes, but their own children. They sold off their daughters to help pay 
for the high interest and the taxes that they owed. And, and it says when Nehemiah heard this, he says, I heard their complaints and I was very angry. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the name of our company, Fire My Mortgage, there, there's a bit of Nehemiah in that where I am really sad when I see people so strapped down by so much debt. And obviously if we refinance over and over again, we will never pay off our mortgage if we mm-hmm. follow that bank's plan, the amortization schedule. Think for just a minute the word mortgage, M-O-R-T. The etymology of that word, M-O-R-T, is the same root word as mortician, mortuary, morbid, (laughs) morbidity, mortality, remorse, to die over and over again. That word means death. And the word mortgage means death pledge. And amortization is a schedule that you follow to pay your death pledge. And bond is the same way. Those get reconfigured into a bond. Those are sold out on the open market. And that dates back to the 1300s. And it basically means unfree to be fastened or to be bound. And so like right in the very language of these things is, is the idea that people are tying themselves into something that that is not freedom. There's a scripture that says, judge everything by the law that brings freedom. These words do not speak freedom to me. <laughs> Well, no, it sounds like a heavy weight is what it sounds like. A bit of that. Proverbs 22, 7 says the borrower is the slave to the lender. And I know we need these things. I'm not a, you know, somebody who goes around and says we need to live homelessly and, and live in a rusted out vehicle. That's not what I'm purporting at all. God wants us to live a life that represents him well and is full of excellence. I'm just here to say that there's a better way. I know you're going to show us. A better way today and you don't have to take notes James has some uh, resources for us to download and we're going to talk about that at the end of the program so what about credit cards and autos and all these things there's so much debt what about using credit cards is that a good idea can be so I grew up with the the teaching that you never should have a credit card and you should get away from them and that they're the biggest trap in the world and they can be and oftentimes they are and so I I caution people against having them or having too much. But then I would meet young people who were trying to buy a house and had no credit. And I know that there's loud voices out there. You don't need credit if you have money. Well, if you don't have money, you need credit. <laughs> and so, so then on the flip side, while I was, you know, I was given financial advice to very wealthy people, they would tell me that they were using credit cards. And I'd look down my nose at them like, oh, you shouldn't use a credit card. But they would show me that they're getting thousands of dollars of rewards points and they never ever pay interest and it piqued my interest and this whole fire movement that's going on right now financial independent retire early is largely predicated upon life hacks travel hacks and interest rate hacks where you use a bank's money for free and they pay you two three four thousand dollars a year either in travel points or in cash and so we talk within our own strategies. We won't get into that on this call, but how to use those rewards in your favor and never, ever, ever pay interest because that's, that's the trap of it is thinking, I'm going to pay it off next month, but carrying the balance forward until it snowballs against you. We don't believe in that, mm-hmm. but we can, we can use them wisely as a tool if we know how. So as people of faith, what can we do about not being a slave to the borrower? How, how do we get out of the trap? Yeah, that's a super good question. So so I think of the first part of financial freedom is, is finding personal freedom, and, and that is addressing our identity. 
So in Luke 12, 15, Jesus said a man's life does not consist of what he owns. So the first part of that is just having the right mindset about ourselves. The second thing is to realize that we increase our our net worth in one of two ways. We either grow our money or we reduce our debt. And I know that that is so simple. It almost isn't even worth saying. But sometimes we don't think about that, that if I take a dollar off of my debt, I increase my net worth by a dollar. And so I, I really go after that simultaneously as a financial advisor. I think it's important for people to also be investing into uh, wise and well-balanced portfolios. But Valerie, I kind of think about five different ways for people to move forward and to tip the scale more towards wealth rather than poverty. And one of them is to sell stuff. And it can be stuff around your house. It can be extra toys, motorized toys, guys. <laughs> I mean, it can be the house if, right? We, we grow up and we still have very expensive toys. It can be the house if money is that strapped. It's not a bad time to sell right now, but then again, you have to have something to move into. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of venues now that didn't exist 20 years ago for people to sell things online, Craigslist.com, Marketplace, Facebook, Poshmark.com, Mercari.com. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, the companies I'm going to list today, I don't endorse them. I haven't even used all of them myself, but they're common ones that people think about. So mm-hmm. you make your decision if it works out for you. But those are places that people can sell things. One of the second ways I think about how to tip that scale more towards wealth is spend less. I invite you, and this is a very vulnerable experience to do, but work out your budget, everything you spend your money on, and then invite a trusted advisor to go through that list with you. And it doesn't have to be a professional advisor. It can be your mom, your pastor, a friend, but reevaluate your utilities, your cell phone, your internet. Do you really need cable? Do you need five streaming services for entertainment? I mean, maybe, but maybe not. Are you paying for subscriptions that you don't even use or don't need. You know, when it look, comes time to look for a car, there's car brokers. I'm not opposed to dealerships. They give a lot of options, but car brokers um, typically don't have overhead, so they can get you into a car usually for half the price of a dealership. There are trading platforms for clothes, clothingswap.com, rehashclothes.com, swap.com. Um, there's places to get free stuff, freecycle.org. Um, there used to be a website called Trash Bank, but it's now on Facebook, so you can you can find them on there. Well, there's free lodging. You know, this isn't great for a family vacation, but if you're going through town, you can log into Couchsurfing.com and stay at somebody's house for free. It's actually um, unethical for them to receive money from you. It's a part of the nonprofit platform, and so there are tons of things that people can do to try to spend less. It just takes time to spend less. And that's a lot of information that really you're blessing us today. It sounds like you believe in one of my favorite vehicles for finances, which is multiple streams of income. Is, is that what you're telling us? That is definitely something that I recommend. Um, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the first few verses that talk about having seven and eight streams of income, that that will put you in a better place financially. The average income for America, I mentioned it earlier, is 67 now, that's a medium income, excuse me. But for most people, that's kind of hard to live on, especially if we over-leveraged in the debt department. And so I just want to step back and ask that same question, the same question the Lord asked, is there still seed in your barn? Because mm-hmm. on that day you get that, on the day you understand it and can answer that, 
that's the day that he's going to bless you. And so I think about all of the things that people can do to earn extra income. Man, there's so much. They, they call this the new economy. And I kind of flinched when I first heard that term because I'm like, I'm still using the U.S. dollar. I'm not using Bitcoin for buying a sandwich. But new economy basically says that anybody can earn anything from anywhere because of the Internet, all these platforms we have. You don't even have to invent the wheel yourself. Just jump on someone else's bandwagon. One of the ways that I consider to not just make money, but to allow other people to buy things for you, Mm -hmm. this is fun, is if you have a room in your home, consider renting it out. I know there's safety considerations, so like take this under context for your own life, but Airbnb, I've been doing that for a while. I've had a great experience. VRBO.com, I recently signed up with them. Evolve.com is a property management company that puts you on all of the platforms. I'm looking at using them. There's booking.com. All these places will send people to rent that room. Or if you have a shed that you can turn into a tiny house, people love tiny houses. Are you a farmer? Do you have a space in your land that you could just clear out and rent out for campers and make a cute little place with twinkly lights and maybe a little outhouse? That website's glamping, G-L-A-M-P-I-N-G.com. I'm in the middle of putting my car, my high mileage car on Turo.com. And people basically, because I work from home most of the time now, my car sits out in the driveway. I can make money off of that while I'm still working. Somebody else is out there driving it. There's websites for recreational vehicles. You can trade homes, homeexchange.com. You can permanently trade homes. Like you live on the river and someone lives in the woods. You both want the opposite go swap.org you can swap your house there's so many things valerie that people can do i'm sorry if i'm taking too much time on that but there are the resources are unlimited if we take time to look that's absolutely amazing jane this is so much good information i am really grateful for you being here today did you want to tell us a little bit more about fire my mortgage i do so as i mentioned earlier that being one of the largest debts that people have there is a way for people to use their money more than once. And what I mean by that is the hang up with current mortgages is that it's a one-way street. You put money in, extra $1,000, you can't get it back next month. If people can turn that mortgage into a revolving line, meaning that money can go in and come out, they can put all their extra savings in there. They're checking their money market. They can put all of their income in there. And then at the end of the month, they can pull that back out to pay their bills that they have been floating on a credit card. Now, that was a lot to just throw at you really quickly. (laughs) But what essentially is happening is instead of $500 going towards principal, $5,000 is going towards principal. And we are seeing people paying off their homes in a fraction of the time, usually five, six, or seven years, instead of 25 to 27 years. It is saving on average 75,000 in interest and it's literally changing lives. My wife and I went from 24 years down to four years for art, and it's just different math and logic. It is not smoke and mirrors. It's not living on beans and rice. It is not a, a life of sacrifice. It's just running math differently, and it's something that, unfortunately, most lenders don't want people to know about because they would rather get your money for 30 years. But like I said earlier, there are better ways of doing math. James, this is exciting. I am so glad that you're here with us today. This is excellent news getting god's people out of debt this is so important james how can people get in touch with you i've got a book that i would like to send as you would maybe guess it asks the question what seed is in your barn Hmm. if you just email me 
book at firemymortgage.com. We'll automatically send that off to you. We'd love to stay in touch with you, or you can just take the book and go. That's up to you. Uh, we'll give you options there. You also could call me at 833-FIREMYMORTGAGE, and the email is help at firemymortgage.com. As you would guess, our URL for our website is firemymortgage.com. Thank you so much for being here with us today. That is some powerful information. The ability to come out of debt, to have that knowledge, is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us today, James. And he, again, his company is Fire My Mortgage. And you can find James online. I'm Valerie Sneed, the prayers heard in heaven, teaching God's people to pray. You've been listening to Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven. If you missed any of the program, listen next Sunday evening at 5.30. For more information about their weekly live prayer call, visit their website at prayersheardinheaven.org.